Hey there, it's Olivia Allen Price, host of Bay Curious, the podcast. KQED Podcasts wants to thank listeners like you whose support makes this podcast possible. If you want to help us continue to make great content, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. And thanks. From KQED. I like to imagine the future with driverless cars. You summon a car for your ride to work, and at precisely the right time, an all-electric vehicle arrives outside your home. When you get inside, you can put your feet up, meditate, call a friend, answer emails, watch TV, whatever your heart desires. There are no slowdowns because there are no accidents. These cars have a perfect driving record. In some scenarios, you won't even have the hassle of owning a car. With its insurance premiums and annual registration fees, they'll be a communal good. And we'll need a lot fewer of them, so we can turn parking lots into parks or housing. Street parking turns into bike lanes or parklets or nicer sidewalks. In this future, which admittedly I might be viewing through some rose-colored glasses here, but the convenience and the privacy of cars gets married with the efficiency of public transportation. I, for one, am ready for this utopian driving experience, but for now, we've got streets full of test vehicles. San Franciscans may be particularly tired of them because for years the city has been one of the most popular testing grounds for automated vehicles in the nation. These cars are easy to spot. They wear an exoshell of gadgetry, sensors surveying the landscape. They also drive really, really slowly. Today's question asker, Lenore, noticed one company in particular has been testing in San Francisco a lot. Waymo, a.k.a. Alphabet, a.k.a. Google. Lenore feels like their white SUVs have been just taking over San Francisco streets in recent months. And she wrote in to Bay Curious to ask, why? Today on the show, we'll answer that question and get an update on where things are with driverless technology. Is my driving utopia right around the corner or decades away? or just a fantasy. I'm Olivia Allen Price. This is Bay Curious. Support for Bay Curious comes from Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Committed to brewing things the right way since 1980, because when you're a family-run brewery, there's no other way to do it. Sierra Nevada Brewing Company, still family-owned, operated, and argued over. And be sure to stay tuned through the end of the show so you can play our monthly trivia game for a chance to win some cool prizes. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. Get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night. Knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. Our question asker, Lenore, wanted to know why there are so many Waymo cars on the road suddenly. Bay Curious reporter Christopher Beale looked into it for us. Hey, Christopher. 
Hey, Olivia. You know, I have to say right at the top that the most fun part of making this story was actually getting to go on a ride in an automated vehicle. Not something many people have had a chance to do yet. Should we get in the back here? Waymo has this new trusted tester program, and I took a ride with a representative who ordered the car on her phone, and within a few minutes, our white custom Jaguar I-Pace pulled up, and we hopped in. Do you want to do the honor and push the big blue button? Oh, yeah, sure. I hit the big blue button on the screen, and off we went. The idea of the computer driving was a little unsettling, but only for a second. And once we got going, the whole drive actually felt smooth and safe, and the whole experience was sort of futuristic. I know it's not flying cars, but I can't help but think about the Jetsons when I think about driverless cars. Why do these cars seem to be everywhere in San Francisco right now? Well, I live in San Francisco, and I totally agree with Lenore. These cars are everywhere you look, especially if you're actually looking for them. You'll find Waymo and other companies in the city these days, as well as places like Mountain View and Palo Alto. And what these cars are actually doing is testing driverless technology and feeding data to an algorithm that ultimately drives the vehicles. This testing, while definitely more visible now, has been going on for more than 20 years here in California. The first test was in 1997, and this guy was there. I'm Steve Schladover, and I've been doing research of various kinds on road vehicle automation for almost 50 years. Steve works with California Partners for Advanced Transportation Technology at UC Berkeley. We did a major demonstration in San Diego on the I-15 HOV lanes. The AV technology back then looked a lot like adaptive cruise control on modern cars, but it was groundbreaking in those days. In the time since that early demonstration, testing has continued and the tech has evolved to a much more advanced form that we see in action today with little to no human intervention. Waymo, which Lenore specifically noticed, has been testing in the Bay Area for about 12 years, but they've recently started testing at a higher concentration in the city, as have several other companies. According to the California DMV, the amount of registered autonomous vehicles in California is up from around 900 cars last November to just over 1,400 cars today. The California Public Utilities Commission says that eight companies like Argo AI, Cruise, and Zooks are licensed to use driverless tech, and each of these companies is working on its own technology and algorithms and their own business. Business models. Now, I remember when the first driverless cars started to show up on public streets some years ago, and I remember thinking, you know, wow, like the future is almost here. We're going to have driverless cars. How, after all this time, are we still just testing? Because math. The algorithms that drive these cars are extremely complex, and a ton of data is needed in order for the cars to be able to react to real-world driving situations. And despite years and years of data gathering, Alexander Bayan from the Institute of Transportation Studies at UC Berkeley says the algorithms just aren't quite ready to work on their own yet. And the key of the algorithms is that in order to be efficient, they need to have a pretty big database of you would say like learning examples. And that's why you see so many of them collecting that data right now, because uh, we're not to there yet. The more these cars drive and scan and analyze, the better they'll perform theoretically when they're running without a human to take control. Steve Schlatt over again. The driving environment is super complex. When you think of all of the other vehicles on the road, all of the pedestrians, all of the cyclists, things falling off trucks, badly maintained road surfaces, 
wide variety of weather conditions, different lighting conditions, to have a system that's able to respond to all of those at any time and in any combination is incredibly complicated and difficult to do. And now you think about a system that's way more complicated than your mobile phone or your laptop computer or your tablet or anything like that. It's got to be able to operate in this hostile environment for these really long periods of time without making a serious mistake. I know I've had some close calls in my car. I think most of us who drive here have. California roads can be pretty gnarly. How safe are these automated vehicles right now? I felt pretty safe on my ride, but Steve Schladover has some concerns. There are going to have to be some minimum standards set so that riders who aren't specialists in this field can be given some reassurance that, okay, this is actually a safe system and the people who developed it know what they're doing. Um, But some of the companies that work in this space don't know what they're doing. And I don't suppose you would name them. No, no, not going to name them. The state does have a list of requirements companies must meet before a car can be permitted for public use, like having their testing methods certified and ensuring they're meeting industry standards for stuff like cyber attacks. But Steve told me that it's crucial for the state to work with the federal government on safety standards. He said the state can't ensure the safety of these automated driving systems entirely by themselves and that they're going to need the federal government to complement the state's protocols in areas where they need more authority and, frankly, more expertise. During the Trump administration, none of that work was done. There was no interest on the federal side, but he expects that that could change under Biden. All right, Christopher, now for the big question that is definitely on everyone's mind. Are we anywhere near seeing these cars drive around without a person supervising the automation? Someone in the driver's seat, basically. Sure, but the cars will have a lot of limits. Like here in the Bay Area, Alexander Bayan thinks that we'll start seeing sort of a ramp up of driverless passenger vehicles over the next few years. And so I think what we'll see is a gradual rollout of degrees of autonomy that will partly depend on the geography, the infrastructure, and the ability for the specific uh, agencies to say, for example, impose that just specific types of vehicles can do this in that geography. Now, as for full automation, like a driverless car that can go anywhere at any time, well, Steve Schladover says we still have several more steps to go. So that means not only driving here in the Bay Area, but driving up to Tahoe, driving up to Yosemite, the rural roads in Central California, going through the Bay Bridge Toll Plaza around sunset when the sun is shining straight in your eyes and you can't see the metering lights. Well, lots of challenges like that. I did ask Waymo, the California Public Utilities Commission, and the DMV when we can expect these cars everywhere, and none of them would give me an estimate. Steve Schladover's best guess for when a driverless, fully automated trip to anywhere will be possible? 2075. Or... Probably never. Wow. Right? It is worth noting that AV company Cruise is testing truly driverless rides around San Francisco right now with its employees as test customers, but they still have a few hurdles to overcome before they can roll that out at scale. Well, I guess we're going to have to get really comfortable with those test vehicles. Seems like they'll be around for quite some time. Christopher Beal, thank you so much. Thank you. One big question that transit advocates are asking about automated vehicles is, will they serve everyone equitably? Companies are sinking a lot of money into research and development, dollars they'll want to get back. 
If companies focus on high-end consumers or only run AVs in wealthier neighborhoods while neglecting poorer ones, they would be repeating problems of the past and present. Transportation is a key part of employment access, so the issue goes far beyond who gets some fancy new tech. Something to keep our eyes on. Who is your smartest friend on all things Bay Area? The one who always knows why something is the way it is. We'll call them up and invite them to be on your team for Bay Curious Trivia Night. On December 8th, we're going to host an awesome event at KQED's new headquarters in the Mission in San Francisco. It's a night of prizes, beverages, laughs, and of course, because it's Bay Curious, lots of fun local learnings. There's still space, but it's going fast. So get tickets at kqed.org slash live. Bay Curious is made in San Francisco at member-supported KQED. Our show is produced by Katrina Schwartz, Sebastian Mignobuccelli, Brendan Willard, and me, Olivia Allen-Price. Have a great week. Hi, Bay Curious listeners. Are you ready to play May's trivia game? Every month, we read a question here at the end of our episode. You can give us your answers over at our website, kqed.org slash baycurious, or just click the link in the episode description. Out of the correct answers, we'll randomly choose one lucky winner to receive a cool prize package with Bay Curious swag and Sierra Nevada goodies. Okay, our question for the month is, the world's longest-running pillow-fighting contest was held from 1966 to 2006 in what Bay Area town? Our trivia quiz is made possible by Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Good luck! Hi there, I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. 